Well, praise the Lord. It's an honor to be back in, in the Word Church pulpit. Uh, Pastor Jonathan and Tia, along with Liberty and Matthew, are in uh, Canmore meeting with young ministers from across Western Canada. And this is a really cool thing is that this started years ago, uh, something that God had put into Matthew's heart, uh, that they get together and they pray and seek God. They pray for one another. They encourage one another. And so that's what they're doing tonight and the next two days. And uh, let's just believe God that God just orchestrates everything and that they hear from heaven because I'm telling you, we are in the end days. We need leaders that know what they're doing. We don't need publicity people. We don't need a PR campaign. We need people that can hear from God, go to the throne of God, get the word, and bring it to the people. You know, in the Old Covenant, it said that, that uh, the men and women of God were to be Godward to the people. What's that mean? It meant they were to go to God. Remember, Moses went to God. He came back and told the people. Now, God wanted, now listen to this, God wanted to speak to the people. God wanted everyone to be Godward. But remember, when they could have, do you know they could have all gone up on the mountain? But they said, no, 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 you go. And you come back and tell us what he said. Now, you think, well, they, you know, they're just a little afraid of what's on the mountain. But it, here's the thing. I mean, this isn't, has, has nothing to do with what I'm going to preach tonight, sort of. But anyway, what happened when, he, when Moses went up on the mountain and he did meet with God? What were they doing down below? They took all the gold and they made a golden calf to worship. Now, <laughs> when, God, when Moses comes down and his brother Aaron, what he left in charge... There's a problem when you leave family in charge. You got to let them know that you're in charge and they're under you. You know, but Aaron said to Moses, I don't know how it happened. Just threw it in, out came a calf. And of course, blamed it on the people. And then the people, you remember God said, I'm going to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. Remember, they had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Slaves. You, you see the pyramids that, you know, use that, you know, seven wonders of the world, pyramids. Who built those? The Jewish slaves. There's others that built, but they did a lot. They were slaves in Egypt. But now they're in trouble. And, you know, they, did, they say... This is what we're going to talk about tonight, the power of our words. They say some of the dumbest things. Did you bring us out here to die because there's not enough graves in Egypt? Oh, that's a good idea. Hey, we're out of cemetery space at Lloyd Minster. Let's all go and die in the wilderness. That's a good idea. And then at one point they said to Moses and Aaron that, we left a land of milk and honey to come out to this wilderness. Milk and honey? They were slaves. If they had milk, it's because they milked something, and they did, they did that. They didn't get the milk. They were slaves. 
But because things didn't go their way, but the reason it didn't go their way was why? They were rebellious. When you're rebellious, don't gripe at God when things aren't going right. When things aren't going right in your life, one of the key things, let me tell you this, I've been in the ministry 30, almost 35 years, so I learned a few things, but also I've done this. When you're in trouble, when things aren't going right, don't start looking about what's happening out here. Look here. How many times have the women in GCW heard me say that, you know, <clears throat> when your husband is not doing what you want him to do, don't even go to the Lord and start asking the Lord to change him. It's useless. It's a wasted prayer. You can speak the word over him, but don't go say like I would do, Lord, you need to talk to David. You know, I never had the Lord say, you are right, Brownie. I don't know why I didn't think of that. He never said that. He never even talked about David. He would say, Brownie, and then he would tell me what I was doing wrong. I always wanted to say, excuse me. Now, I never did, but I wanted to say, excuse me, we're not talking about me. I want to talk to you about him. But see, God wants us to be healed ourselves. That's why he says about our own country. He said, if you want God to heal your land, what does he say? He says, pray. And he said, does he say, and when the politicians turn from their evil ways, I will heal your land. Does he say that? And we're praying about those politicians, right? Oh, God, if you just make them, you know, turn those people around. He doesn't say, you know, if you'll pray, and if those politicians will turn from their evil ways, I'll heal their land. What does he say? He said, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and then I'll heal their land. So when things aren't going right in our land, whether it's our land in our own house, whether it's our land in our community, whether it's our land in Canada, if things aren't going the way you want them to go, God tells you what to do. He said, you pray. That's the first thing, pray. Most people talk before they pray. But he said, if you pray, if my people will humble themselves, in other words, realize I got a problem. I haven't been doing things right. I should change. So I humble myself before God. God, help me. Tell me what I need to do. And then when he tells you, turn. You know, that's really what repentance is, isn't it? That's really what the word means. Turn. Doesn't it? Some people think repentance means saying, I'm sorry. That's good enough, isn't it? It's not good enough. Because you know what? If you don't repent and you say, I'm sorry, tomorrow you're going to have to say, I'm sorry again. And the next day, I'm sorry. And the next day, I'm sorry. And then, pardon me, Lord. And you're going to do this until you repent, which means turn. 
So he says, and turn from their evil ways. Then will I hear from heaven. Now, Jesus said, my father always hears us. Now, we're under a new covenant. And we have a right for God to hear us. We don't have to have a priest that goes in once a year with bells tied on his skirt in case, you know, and a rope around his ankle because he's going in for the sins of the people. But if he had sin on him, <laughs> he goes into the Holy of Holies and they hear the bells and the pomegranates, you know, making that beautiful sound of the wind of the Lord. It's wonderful. And then they hear kablonk. And they can't go in there because if they go in, they will die. So they finally got smart and they started putting a rope around his ankle. Kablonk. Got to get a new high priest. You'd think the priest would kind of figure out. It's really not smart to go in. But you know what? We're priests of the Lord and we haven't figured it out sometimes. We still think we can get by with stuff. And really, there is a consequence. Amen? We won't drop dead. But the wages of sin, this is new covenant, the wages of sin is death. It doesn't mean just falling down dead, although if you don't turn, sometimes you've opened a door for the enemy. But it does mean there is a price to pay. So anyway, a few uh, few weeks ago, in, in, in my journal, I... Uh, I know when I'm speaking different places, and so when I'm sitting or praying or reading my Bible, then I have, you know, you can look in the back, and there's, there's the places I'm going to speak and notes. And so for, for the Word Church, God talked to me about talking to you about the power of our words, the power of the tongue. You know, I wish I had something that you'd never heard before, and you'd go, oh, man, that's a great revelation. But I think that this is a message that I don't know about you, but I, could, I need to hear it probably once a month or at least meditate on it because our tongue, as James said, our tongue is full of evil. And we have to learn how to talk right. And most of the body of Christ doesn't know. They just, and now with communication, they can spew out wrong words all over the place. And I'm telling you, once you know what the power of your words are, then you will start not talking so much. The first time I heard this preach, and it really got into me, I tell you the truth. I didn't talk for like three days because I just didn't have a whole lot to say because I'd been saying all the wrong things. And God had to teach me. David said in the book of Psalms, he said, put a watch over my mouth so that I don't sin against you. We need to put a, a watch over our own mouths. Amen. So, familiar scripture. Anybody know what Proverbs 18.21 says? Yes, Miss Tina, you do know. The power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, if you're carnal, if you're an unbeliever, you think that means I'm going to eat a banana. And my tongue's going to taste it because your taste buds are on your tongue. But it has nothing to do with natural fruit. That's out of the New American Standard. The New Living Translation says this. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. 
Now, that sounds negative, but you know what? If you speak the word, you're going to reap the consequences. If you speak the problem, you're going to reap the consequences. It's your choice. You can speak death, and you can speak life. And most of us were trained out of just the world system to say whatever came in our mouth or our mind or whatever. And so you were maybe you were brought up with me. My mother brought me up with fear, so I spoke fear. I, was, I would say I'm afraid of death. I'd say I was tickled to death. I would say death had a lot of power because I said it a lot because that's what we said. Do you ever think about what you say? I remember we had an intern for a youth minister for a summer one time. His name was Dave. And he came to stay with us, and he was going to live at our house. And, you know, he, he came highly recommended by his pastor, and we were so excited to have him. And the first night, he comes into the living room, and he's got on a T-shirt, and it says, Holy Cow. And Jonathan goes, And so I look, I, I don't know what's the problem, and I look, and I said, you'll have to go take off that T-shirt. What's wrong with the T-shirt? It says, holy cow. What's wrong with holy cow? Cows aren't holy. They're holy in India, but that's not our God. So in our house, there's none holy but the Lord. I always, I always am amazed when someone says, holy smokes. And I go, now, in the Old Testament, there was some holy smoke. But I've, you know, when I moved to Canada, when they'd say, do you have any smokes? I, and they wouldn't ask me. I'd hear them ask somebody else. And I'd think, what, is, what are smokes? I never heard that term, holy smokes. We use words so flippantly there's none holy but the lord so this the first night this intern is at our house he goes i might be in trouble <laughs> because he hadn't been taught the power of his words and you know who taught him mostly was the youth group and my kids i didn't have david and i didn't have to say much because the youth group and the kids pretty well kept him straight we don't say that you can't say that. Don't say that. That's a bad confession. So when you bring up children like that, it's wonderful because they don't have that background. But we can change. The power of God can change what we say, can change our tongue. If that were possible, then why would God even address the issue? It is possible. Jesus said, and this is what Jonathan quoted on Sunday, and I said to him, John, I'm glad you didn't go any further because that's what I'm speaking on on Wednesday night. Matthew 12, verse 36 and verse 37. It said, but I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, God is not the condemner. So God doesn't condemn you, but your words will condemn you. I like the way it says in the Amplified, it says, for every idle, in, in the New American it says careless, King James says idle word, 
Amplified says, inoperative, non-working word. How many words do we speak that have just nothing? They're just fluff. Or maybe they're not even fluff. They have no power in them. And so Jesus is saying, you have to give an account for that. But now listen, the blood of Jesus still covers us. So when we repent and turn, you don't have to give an account for those words if you repent. And I tell you, once you learn the power of the tongue and you get it in you, then when you say something, you'll be quick to repent because it's like, where did that come from? It might come from a television show you watched. It might come from the place where you work. You know, you're hearing words all day that aren't good words. And then then out of your mouth comes a word. Have you ever been in uh, like the mall or a store and they're just booming music? And the words, I mean, you don't even know the song because you don't listen to that kind of music. But you go out of the mall and you're walking down the mall and you are singing those words. And you go, no, I don't want that in my head. Well, words have power. But here's the wonderful thing. Our words, with the power of God behind them, and when we speak God's word, it's more powerful than any word. So we have an advantage over every devil, every demon, to speak the word. There's one part. Remember when, when Jesus was uh, going and the Roman uh, centurion came and said, my servant is, is sick and, and uh, would you just speak the word and he'll be healed? Now, most people want you to come to their house, don't they? You come and pray for him. This guy didn't even have a covenant with God. He was a Roman centurion, but he had heard about Jesus. He knew Jesus could heal. And he said to Jesus... Speak the word. Speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus was amazed at his faith. And he, Jesus said, this is such great faith, didn't he? And the, and so the centurion said, well, I'm a man under authority. And when I say come, they come. When I say go, they go. And he recognized Jesus' authority. And he thought, well, I tell somebody to do something, they do it. So all you got to do is tell that disease to go. It'll have to go because you have authority. That's why Jesus was amazed because he had these people following him that still didn't get it. But this guy got it. And we have to understand that was a lesson for us, wasn't it? That if we'll speak the word, things will turn. Now, sometimes they don't turn right then. Don't you wish they would? Don't you wish you could just speak the word and then you'd see like one of those cartoons, kablam, and it's all different. (laughs) That'd be cool, wouldn't it? It's not like that. Very seldom is it immediate, but it is powerful and it's already going to work. It is immediate, but you don't see the manifestation immediate. Let me change that. It is immediate because when you speak the word, the power goes out. You, You have release the power of God into a situation. But now here again, if you speak fear, if you speak doubt and unbelief, that power goes out too. We were talking about a a situation. Uh, Brother Copeland talked, this is a long time ago, and he was was preaching on 
power of your words and power of your tongue. This woman told a story. She went up to him and said, finally, I understand. She said, my husband and my children, we were in a real bad car accident. And she said, we, the children and I, it looked like we were going to, you know, we were dead. It looked like we were through. My husband was not hurt at all, had no, no injury. But he got out and he walked among us and said, I'm a dead man. I'm a dead man. I'm a dead man. And she said, we all survived and he died and they didn't know why he died. There was no reason why he died. And she said, today I got revelation. Isn't God good? That when you have a question, that woman had a question, why did my husband die? The doctors can't find a reason. Why did he die? There's a reason. There's a reason. God didn't kill that man. His words killed him. And some people just take it very lightly. Well, you know, he, he didn't know what he was doing. Words have power. What if he had said, my family will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord? I say with my mouth that we recover all. No one's going to perish here. We're all going to recover. We're all going to have wonderful life together. What if he had said that? I think it had been a different result, don't you think? So praise the Lord. Jesus said, by your words you will be justified. By your words you'll be condemned. It's your words. You know... I remember um, when someone in my family got a bad report and I didn't want anybody to know because I thought, <laughs> you know, if the word gets out, then people are going to yak, 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 and I don't want those words out there. Now, there is wisdom in that. But I remember the word got out and people were talking and people were having prayer meetings and stuff. And I, I remember sitting, I can tell you right where I was, I was sitting in the living room on the couch and I had my head down and I said, God, I come against those words that are not, not faith words. I stand against them. And uh, a brother in Christ called me, a preacher friend of ours called. And uh, he said, what are you doing, Brownie? And I, I told him. I said, man, we try to keep it, but, you know, the word got out. And people are talking, and they're, they're having prayer meetings, but I don't know what they're praying. And uh, it was really bothering me. And I remember he said, Brownie, the Bible says it's your words. It's not their words. It's my words that justify. It's not their words. If you get it, I don't care who's talking against you. I don't care what's being said. The Bible says in Isaiah 54 that no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you condemn. You're not condemning those people. You condemn those words. If you start making it about people, you're going to fail. Because the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't. We wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of the dark places. Tell Jesus I'll get back to him. <laughs> Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. <laughs> you did it. Now I've got something on you. <laughs> <laughs> back to the story <laughs> pardon me lord yes see those are things that can take your attention with your words now we're texting now we're talking little thing but it does it, it you if you're not careful you will text 
Facebook or talk words that you'll regret. Because we do it quickly. And then it's out there. And then you go, why did I do that? Well, because we're not taking time to think about what we say. You ever said something in anger? Of course you have. You're human. If you raise your hand and said, no, I've never done that, we're going to pray for a lying spirit to come off of you. Because <laughs> I tell you, you're lying. <laughs> your nose is growing like Pinocchio. You are lying. <laughs> Of course, I haven't, but I know you have. No. <laughs> Ooh. But in anger, we blast. One preacher said, don't let people come in your office and vomit on you. That's a horrible picture, isn't it? But many people think they can come to you and vomit on you. In other words, Bleh, this is what's happening in my life and bleh. not it's not words of faith it's just bad stuff stinky thinking all these things and we've all been guilty of it every one of us and then we leave and go man why did I do that and hopefully you don't have a big problem to take care of like I've had before <laughs> But a lot of times it causes a much bigger problem than it ever would have if we just kept our mouth shut. My husband used to say to me, because I'm a woman and women like to get things handled. We like to address the issues. And, and the men hate it when a woman comes in and says, we need to talk. <laughs> a man goes, Wah! hear no evil, see no evil. <laughs> Men don't like to hear a woman come and say, we need to talk. <laughs> it's true. So men, get over it. <laughs> you thought I was on your side, but I wasn't. <laughs> no, I am. It's just difference of men and women. But if we, if we're not prepared, you know, like I said, when, when David and I were pastoring here in the church and, and I was working back in the office, well, I, someone would call me and tell me the problem. You know, did you know that so-and-so was there? So I'd go into David and I'd tell him, did you know that so-and-so? And I said, I'm going to call him right now. He'd say, you are not going to call him. Yeah, they need, I need to talk to them. I need to tell them. You are not calling anybody, Brownie. I, I would get like, you just don't understand. If I could talk to them, it'd make it all better. They won't leave the church or they won't divorce her husband or whatever it was. Like, if I could just talk to them. And he, I, I can tell you, I can't, I can't tell you how many times, but numerous. I'd be on that, in there, and on the couch in there, and him saying, you sit here till you get calm? I mean, you might think that he was, a, he was a horrible person. That sounds horrible, but he was a good husband. And he, he kept me out of trouble because there were some times I didn't obey. <laughs> and then I would go into his office and say, we have a problem. <laughs> 
And that's when he'd say, what do you mean we, pale face? <laughs> yes, you'd have to know David to know that joke. But because I wouldn't obey, I would call, and then everything would break loose. It was like, it was a little problem. Now it is, whoa. And so I'd go in there, we have a problem. What is it, Brownie? Well, I called so-and-so. Now she's leaving the church, and she's taking another family, and I didn't, 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 didn't. you need to call, I say, you need to call them. <laughs> you need to go visit them. It'd say, Jesus never chased anybody. Jesus didn't go visit the people that left him. He said, you, what did Jesus do, Brownie? Uh, he prayed. What are we going to do, Brownie? We're going to pray. But I have to tell you, I'd pray and go, Jesus? Talk to David. <laughs> and I already told you how that went, right? <laughs> and I'd like to say I learned my lesson. I never do that anymore. But I, I do sometimes. And I get in troubles. And I have to go to the Lord and repent. It's, it's, I don't like conflict. So I want everybody to be at peace. But however, me get making everybody at peace sometimes makes bigger conflict. <laughs> So learn to keep your mouth shut and watch your words. If you're going to speak words, speak words of love, speak words of compassion, speak words of encouragement. And if someone comes and says, I need to tell you all that's happened to me, you need to say, just a minute. Now, there is godly counsel. I'm not talking about that. There's times you need to talk to someone. You need someone to pray with you. I'm not saying don't, but I'm saying... You don't need to, to put it on a prayer chain type of, you know, like calling everybody. Did I make anybody mad there? Okay, let's go ahead. I'll put my head down. I won't see your face. It's important that we pray before we talk. And if we'll learn that, that's what Jesus did. Do you, do you look at how Jesus did his words? What happened? Look in the New Testament. People would ask Jesus a question. Did he ever answer the question? They would ask Jesus a question, and he would answer with a question. Or he would talk about something different. He didn't feel obligated to answer their questions. He felt obligated to only say what the Father said. And it's a great revelation for you to know that God doesn't want you to answer everything that comes your way. Now, the Bible says we have to have an answer for every man. But that's talking about a scripture, a word of the Lord. It's not, here's my opinion. Amen? And you know what? God will give you people. You got to know who God puts in your life to speak into your life or who God puts in your life that you're supposed to speak into their life. But you're not supposed to speak into everybody's life and you're not supposed to be an open can that everybody can give their opinion about you. Amen? Guard your heart. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If the world could, could understand that, we'd have a lot more peace in our world. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But you know what? Most of us, we just explode. Like we, 
We just have to get our opinion out. We have to interrupt so that they'll hear us. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, let's go to James 3. Now, I'm going to have to be out of here by 830, so I'm my biggest problem on that probably. <laughs> Praise and worship team did great. <laughs> it's me y'all got to pray for because I have to go catch a plane. So uh, I'm, I'm uh, heading out right after the service while going home and getting my luggage, then going to, to uh, Edmonton. So help me get through. But let's go to James 3 because James was Jesus' half-brother. Do you understand that? Mary and Joseph, contrary to some people's belief, they had other children. And so James was one of those children. He grew up in the house with Jesus, and he did not get, as far as we can tell, he did not follow Jesus when Jesus was starting his ministry and stuff. James was not a follower, but he became one. And don't you know that living in the house with Jesus, you might learn something about words and the power of your tongue. I have a little history book that, I mean, it's not, it's not uh, scripture, so you can't base doctrine on it. But uh, it's, it's historical accounts of interviews they did with, like back then, uh, they did with people, and they interviewed Mary and Joseph. And these are, these are documented, and like I said, you don't want to base scripture uh, doctrine on it. But anyway, I found it very interesting because they asked, they asked, uh, I can't remember. They asked one of his parents, Jesus' parents, what he was like, and they said, he's a strange child. <laughs> he doesn't care about what he wears. He doesn't care what people say. He, well, that's what he said in Matthew, didn't he? He said, don't worry about those things. Yeah. So I'm sure James learned about how to talk from Jesus. And... Probably like you and I, when we start not talking the way the world, people think we're just weird. Now, hopefully you're not like the word police that I was when I learned this. Because I was like going, that's a bad confession. Don't say that. That's not in the word. I was correcting everybody. I thought it was my job. I thought somebody needs to tell these people they're not saying things right. That didn't work very well. People dropped out. <laughs> Just wasn't a real good thing to happen. But I so thought it was right. Because it was such a revelation to me. I thought everybody needs to know. And so, you know, if someone said, you know, uh, ha- have a... Have a happy Easter. I was like, don't say that. I don't call it Easter. I just correct them. Or they'd say, you know, did you see Santa Claus? Well, I'd have to correct that. Or they'd say, oh, you're you're coming down with a cold, are you? Oh, (laughs) wonder how that's going to turn out on the tape. (laughs) They're like, maybe I'm talking in tongues. I don't know. I wasn't for the online people. I wasn't. But here again, judge yourself. This is not about correcting everybody. It is good to have a partner. And I had a roommate when I first learned this. I I was living, I was working for Brother Brother Copeland and Brother Savelle and living in Texas. And I had a roommate. And we decided to help each other. Now, sometimes we'd be so mad at each other. Like, 
get off your high horse. I'm sick, I tell you, I'm sick. You know, <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> You're healed. I know I'm healed, but I'm sick. <laughs> and so you need somebody to help you be accountable. I do, I believe that. Because sometimes we, ju we just let our mouth go. And we need somebody that has the guts enough to say, as, as Brother Copeland said, that he and, he and uh, Gloria made this covenant with each other that they'd help each other. And, of course, Gloria is one of the most disciplined people in the whole wide world. Disciplined. She is very calm, cool, disciplined. And God put her with Kenneth. And so he, he wanted help. I shouldn't have said it like that, but he's, he's much more forceful. She's very quiet. And so he would say something, and instead of saying that's a bad confession, she'd just say, because the Bible says that we minister, watch our words, because we're to minister grace to the hearers. Mm -hmm. Minister grace to the hearers. Think about your words this week. Has it ministered grace to whoever you were saying it to? Did they feel, oh, that ministered grace to me? Or did they feel like, ah! And so he would say something, and he said, Glory would go, that doesn't minister grace to my hearing. <laughs> In her little sweet voice. Well, praise the Lord. You need somebody that'll help you. But let me tell you, it goes both ways. There's nobody perfect. So if you want to be the one that's going to help somebody, you better be willing for them to help you too. Amen. So let's look at James 3. It says, the tongue is a fire. Now, in my Bible which is, I really have to start, I've got to change Bibles because this one's literally, Matthew picked it up and it's just literally falling apart. But in my Bible, I mark scriptures, like I put a T if it has to do with my words for tongue. I put a H for healing and P for prosperity. I, I mark my Bible like this. So in J James 3, it's got a great big T because it's a lot to say. It says, let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we, teachers, will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. In other words, what are teachers doing? They're using their tongues, aren't they? It's teachers use words. And he says, because you do, you're coming under a stricter judgment. So that's why... You know, if you think you're, you know, I'm called to teach, I'm called to preach, you better understand there's a stricter judgment, so you better be prepared for that. Amen? So he says, for we will stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, isn't it? And yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame, by such a small fire. When we, have, when we have major fires here in Canada, many of them are started by somebody flicking a cigarette out. Isn't that right? There's not, they're not started by somebody going and making a big bonfire. It's not by the, the farmers and the ranchers that are piling up brush 
and burning. It's usually someone driving down the highway and throwing out a cigarette. And it causes so much destruction. In the same way, our tongues, they're very small, but they destroy so much. And if we can learn to bridle our tongue, like we bridle, you know, when, you, when you're, I'm not, I don't know a lot about horses, but, you know, when they break a horse and they teach that horse how to have a bridle in its mouth, I mean, that horse, when they're first starting, that small young horse, it does not want to do that. It bites it. It, it rebels. I want to be free. But that horse doesn't understand that that freedom needs to be reined in so that it can become productive, become the horse it was created to be. Well, we were created to live successful, to live in, in the abundant life. God has done everything he's going to do. Jesus has already done it all. He's not going to come back and do some more. He said it is finished. So if we're not living in John 10, 10, the more abundant life, it's because we are making wrong choices. Because we are not speaking the word. We're speaking our problems. And so James talks about this. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Makes you want to just say, I don't need a tongue then. But God is saying this so that we learn just like that horse or just like that ship, there's a way to get it in going in the right direction. There's a way to have it on the right path. There's a way for you and I to be on the right path without having destruction. If a ship does not have a rudder, it has no direction. You can't, you can't guide it. it. It just goes with the winds. And, the, and Paul talks about that. He says that there's some of you that you're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Man, that's so easy these days. There's internet, there's television, there's, you know, you can have it on your iPhone, you can have it on your iPad, you can have it on your iPod. There's podcasts, there's all these things that can be used for good, but there's also, you can just, every, every new thing that comes on, well, I heard a preacher say, da-da-da-da. And you know what you become? You come tossed to and fro because you don't have a rudder. Now, Listen. The Holy Spirit is our rudder. Now, the tongue is a rudder, but the Holy Spirit is the one that the Bible says he will lead and guide you into all truth. So if we allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us, then we're not tossed to and fro. If you'll listen to your spirit, you'll know. You don't have to criticize. You don't have to go talk against somebody. You can just say, mm, that's not right. Or if you have a question and you think that's not right, at least go to your Bible, take the scriptures they used. Because, hey, all of us had a point, and, and when the truth was preached to us at some point, we went, eh, I don't know if that sounds right. But if we went to the Word, like we teach you guys to do, right? We teach ourselves to do. Go to the Word. If Tina's in GCW and she's teaching something, and you go, hmm, I don't know, 
right? That's why you have a notebook. Write down and go look it up for yourself. If I'm teaching you something, maybe you're here tonight and you say, I don't know about that. Take the scripture. You go take it. You read it. You pray over it and ask the Lord. Whoever it is, I don't care whoever, in this pulpit or in other pulpits, don't become critical because if you become critical, you have a critical spirit, it doesn't matter. You, you won't like anything. But you, in love, if something doesn't register right, then go to the Lord. I, you know, when, when I read that scripture and Jesus called that woman a dog, you know, she wanted him to come heal her daughter, and he really basically called her a dog. I remember reading that and went, oh, oh, that's just not nice, Jesus. I don't know why that's in the Bible because obviously Jesus messed up because he called that woman a dog. I remember I I had years of not, I just wouldn't even look at that scripture. I'm not going to look at it because if I look at it, I'm going to go, that ain't right, Jesus. And one day my husband preached on that scripture and it was like, oh, I got it. Jesus wasn't, he did call, he did call her a dog, but he was meaning you're not in the covenant. But she didn't leave the church. She didn't say, okay, Jesus, I never want to see you again. I'm not ever coming to your meetings. I'm going to tell all my friends that you're nuts. She just stood up and said, even dogs get the crumbs off the table. And he said, I've never seen such great faith in all of Israel. And she was a woman without covenant. Do you understand that sometimes unbelievers have more faith than you do? Because they don't have a lot of religious thinking sometimes. They just say, you know what? When we first went to Loon Lake, I mean, literally, it's in the middle of January when when I arrived. It was 40 below zero for the first week I was in Canada. this little Texas girl. And uh, so we're in that little one-room shacky church that the size of Levi was, he was just born like then. And so he won't remember, but he saw the church many times after that. But one-room little shacky church with an oil furnace that just sat in the kind of the center over on the side. And they literally would break the windows because we were out of seats. We had old theater seats, those wooden ones. Kaplowy, they would hit, you know, when someone would come in. But they would break the windows in the middle of that one of the worst winters we'd ever had, winter of 79. And to hear the word. And miracles were happening. But you know what? Someone would get healed, miraculously healed. And you'd lay hands on them. And, I mean, miracles. And they would just go, mm-hmm, and go sit down. And I would think, they don't even say, thank you, Jesus. Like, what's wrong with them? They just, mm-hmm. So, again, I go to my husband and say, when Jesus does something for me, I'm so excited. They don't get excited. Like, they don't even say, thank you, Jesus. We had to teach them how to say thank you in Cree in Loon Lake because they didn't know that word anymore. It had been lost. And so, <laughs> thank God for Onion Lake that taught David how to say thank you so that he could teach them but he he said well actually we had another 
native guy that came over and I remember we sat and and we're talking why why don't they say thank you they don't even say thank you Jesus they don't get excited and he said you tell us that if we come Jesus will heal us so if Jesus is supposed to heal us he just did what he was supposed to do <laughs> but see remember thank you had not been in their language for a long time it is now praise the lord but they they didn't have a concept because the the government paid that and when we first started they were all on welfare there's nobody that had a job when we first started and so they were like the government's supposed to send us money jesus is supposed to heal us what's the deal and you know that's great faith isn't it but they had to learn to be thankful but if we had that kind of faith, it's like, well, if I go to church tonight, I'm going to get revelation knowledge. God's going to teach me something. Praise the Lord, because that's what he does. I'm going to receive something from God tonight. I came expecting, and when I leave, I'll have it. Thank you, Jesus. And have just that attitude of, what's the big deal? When I come, I expect God delivers. When I pray for the sick, they get healed. What's the deal? Amen. Sometimes when you're first saved and you start to pray for the sick and they get healed, you know, you're more excited than them. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you're, you're, you realize you're supposed to be the great woman of faith or the man of faith. And, oh, yes, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. I knew that would happen. I'm anointed of God. But faith expects. It's sort of like the, the story when they, you know, they were in a drought condition and, and they all went to church to pray for rain and only one person brought an umbrella. We learned that. So when we started praying for drought, we brought our umbrellas and we got rain. You got to have an expectancy, right? And your expectancy will come out. What you expect, you'll speak. If you expect it not to work, you're going to say it's not going to work. It'll come out somehow. But if you have an expectancy, I don't care. I, I mean, I have been where they told me, you know, you're paralyzed from the waist down. You'll never walk again. I said, that's not true. This is what the word of God says. I'll live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. I will walk and leap and praise the Lord. I'll run through a troop and leap over a wall. <laughs> As I'm laying there. <laughs> but what they said was not what he said. And when they've said you're going to die, that's what they say. But that's not what he says. So whose report are you going to believe? So those are big things, but hey, there's little things every day. Every day you have an opportunity to believe the word or believe the circumstance. Everybody, every day has opportunities. Amen? You, maybe you, you know, you're at your job, you have an opportunity to believe the word, that God's going to cause you to rise above, or you, have, you speak and say, I hate this job. I wish I didn't have this job. Listen, if you hate your job, I'd say you need to go to God and see if that's your job. Because God's not putting somebody in a place where they hate. 
Now, sometimes he puts you in a place. When, when we moved here the second time, because I thought we were gone, and I said to David, God, it'd have to speak to a burning bush for me to get back to Lloydminster. <laughs> and he does that. You know, that's really common in the New Covenant. <laughs> I'm telling y'all all my bad stuff. <laughs> D- David, if God's letting him listen, he's just probably laughing. But he has better things to do. So, I said, God, I have to speak to me in a burning bush because I have other things that God wants us to do. And I remember David out in the yard praying. He comes in, Brownie, the Lord just talked to me about Lloyd Minster. I didn't see a bush. (laughs) So I think this is going to be good news. He said, the Lord asked me to do him, a, if we would do him a favor. Well, that's already, I know this isn't going to go good for me. What's the favor? He asked me if we'll go back and start a church in Lloydminster. Well, even I didn't rebel against that. What are you going to do when God asks you a favor? Go, nah, check me next month. Of course you're going to do it. There wasn't a burning bush. It was a burning desire to please God was better than any burning bush. Of course we're going to go. Of course we're going to start another church. Of course, yes, we have two little babies. Yes, we have all kinds of things going on. But this is what God said to do. We're building the church here. We're building the church over there. But we're going to go back to Lloydminster. Because God asked us for a favor. Isn't it cool that God didn't command us? He could have commanded us, but he wanted our hearts to be because he knew we'd obey him. But we ha- that had to do with our hearts, amen? So James is saying that your tongue is a small part of the body, but it boasts of great things. It says, for every species of beast, verse 7, and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have, made, who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, you ought to underline this, highlight it. These things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh? Who is wise among you? Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds, in the gentleness of wisdom. So he talked about wisdom there. But with your wisdom, you're going to have to have your tongue tamed. Now, it does say who can tame, who can tame the tongue. So if you're, if you're just, you know, just looking at it like, that way, you'd go, well, so what's the deal? Nobody can tame it. No man can tame it. But the Spirit of the Lord... When I yield to his spirit, when I get away from brownie, when you get away from yourself and you trying to do it and you let the Holy Spirit and you say, I just yield myself to the Holy Spirit today, Lord. Speak through my mouth. And when you say something you shouldn't say, you repent and say, I'm sorry, Lord. Help me to do better. I put a watch over my mouth. Proverbs said, if you don't have anything good to say, put your hand over your mouth. (laughs) My mama said something like that when I was growing up. But I didn't know it was in the Bible. 
But you know what? Sometimes you literally need to do that. And then when someone comes and they have something and they want to speak against their brother or sister in Christ, you know, if they need prayer, pray for them. But you don't have to know the whole story. You know, sometimes prayer requests turn into gossips. And that's a wrong way with our words. Because the Bible says, know no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. It's very hard for me to know you after the spirit if I know so much about you in the flesh. That takes more discipline on my part, doesn't it? So praise the Lord, it's possible. Look at 1 Peter 3. We're going to close her up. Praise the Lord. Peter is quoting from Psalms 34. And he says in verse 10, The one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. You've got to pursue peace with all men. That's, the New Testament says that. This is the New Testament. He's quoting Old Testament. For the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, like I said, Peter is quoting Psalms 34. This is the latter part of Psalm 34. But let's read verse 1 through 3 of Psalm 34 to see the antidote so that our lips can be kept from evil. God's not ever going to tell you something that you can't do. If he says keep your lips from evil, it's possible. And not only is it possible, he'll help you. You're not on your own. We have help. Psalm 34, 1 through 3 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Let's stop right there. If praise is continually in my mouth, I'm not going to speak wrong words. You can't speak two things at the same time. And one of the best things you can do when your mind is saying all this stuff and you start hearing yourself say it, maybe you're frustrated, maybe you're whatever, your flesh, it's your flesh. We all have it. Your flesh is wanting to spill out all this stuff. The best thing you can do is say, you know what? I'm going to sing in the spirit. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to put me on a praise tape. I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. You cannot think and speak evil when you're praising the Lord. And the Bible says that when we praise the Lord, it steals the enemy and the avenger. It's the devil that's trying to destroy your life. It's the devil that's trying to cause relationships to be broken. It's the devil that's trying to break up marriages. It's the devil that's trying to bring strife and division in the church. And how does that happen? Because we talk it and we put words out there that are wrong words. But if we'll turn it around, just come to corporate prayer and hear what we say and hear what we pray, we don't talk the problem. We pray out the word of God because what good's it going to be? We could all sit here and have a pity party tonight. See if my story's sadder than yours. What good would that do? We'd all go home depressed. Mm -hmm. But if I, if I have something that is depressing in my life and I come, which this happens when I, I come and, and I'm at the office or Kim comes by my house or whatever, we have to do something together. 
And if Kim starts speaking the word to me, then I smarten up. It's like, I better hush. <laughs> because the word steals the enemy. I do it with her too. I mean, it's, it's a two-way street. You understand that. But you've got to know that when... You, you are called to encourage one another. You are called to be builders of the, uh, builders, uh, how's it say in this old cousin, builders of the breach or repairs of the breach. So we repair the breach. We don't make it bigger. We repair it. How do we repair it? By putting the word of God there. The, the word is a building block. And we, it's, What's the scripture say? Line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. The word keeps building. The word keeps building. The word keeps building. Man, when you were first born again, I remember the first weekend I went back, I didn't, I didn't know what I had, had happened to me. I'd been in church all my life, but this was different. And so I went with all the people I partied with all the time, went to the clubs with. I didn't know what was happening, but I mean, I went in declaring. I put on my desk first thing, first morning, Greater is he that sent me than he that's in the world because I'd been in the world. And so I wanted them to all know something's different. So, of course, they said, what's different about you? I didn't know. All I knew is I got saved. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I speak in tongues. I didn't even know that there was such a thing, by the way, before the weekend. Because they sure didn't talk about it at my church. And you can be healed. I knew four things. They'd say, show me. I had a lay preacher that was doing all the same things we were doing. And he says, show me in the Bible where those things are. I said, I don't know. But I'll find out. By the end of the week, I couldn't even speak. I'd lost my voice because I was witnessing to everybody and everything. I didn't know scripture, but I tell you, I learned quick. Because when it's on you, people want to know, you better have an answer. And if you don't know the answer, you better go find it. And uh, praise the Lord. The word worked. I just said, I just believe the Bible. That's what I, I mean, I said that for like six months. If the Bible says it, I believe it. Well, yeah, but you don't understand. That's not what it's talking about. Hey, don't tell me that. It's working for me. Don't tell me that. If it's not working for you, I'm sorry. But it works for me. Don't burst my bubble. One guy said, I was like you, but six months, you'll be like me. That's exactly, it was like, I'll never be like you. Because <laughs> if it wasn't real, I didn't want it. But I found out it was real. Let's close with this scripture, Psalm 19. This scripture should be in your mouth and in your heart. And you know what? Another thing that help you say the, what the word says is put stuff up on your mirror. When you're having some problems, put some scriptures up. Put it where you can see it and say it. You know, Jonathan said on Sunday that he heard, he heard me pray over him in liberty every day that their disciples taught of the Lord and obedient to his will, and great shall be the peace, undisturbed composure of my children. They heard that, and Liberty told me that, you know what, that knowing that we were praying 
kept her from stuff because it's like that's against what they're praying. I, I didn't word that right exactly how she said it, but that's the gist of it. So you speak the word over your children. You speak the word over yourself. And whether you see it in the flesh right then is not in, it's not in the cards. I'm just, just speak the word only. When you have family that needs to get saved, you call them saved. You know, how's your drunk brother? Man, he, he is coming in the kingdom. I'm telling you, he's going to be praising the Lord. Just wait. He's going to be a powerhouse for God. What happened to this such and such? You know what? Praise the Lord. God's working on them. You don't have to tell. You don't have to go, oh, my God, you should hear what they're doing. No. Say, I tell you what, they might think they're running from God, but you can't run from God. There's nobody fast from God. You think you can outrun God? What an idiot you must be. <laughs> uh, we're running from God. Yeah, right. You, God's right there. He's closer than the mention of his name. And he's there with your loved ones. He's there with your friends. He's with you. Psalms 19 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. If the meditation of my heart is right, my words will be right because the word says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. You put in garbage, it's like, you know, I, I had a degree in computer science and the first thing you learn is garbage in, garbage out. And so when you, you know, used to, it's not so common now, but when people were first getting on computers, you know, you'd have a problem with a company and they'd say, it, well, it's that computer. It's the computer. Hey, somebody put something in wrong. Somebody didn't program right. Garbage in, and it works for us. Garbage in, you start, you're watching the wrong shows, you're listening to the wrong music, you're going the wrong places, and you know what happens? It's going to come out because you're putting it in your heart. You're putting it in your heart. And at some point, it will come out. But here's the wonderful thing. Turn that around. Turn it around. You put the word of God in you. You listen to, to the word morning, noon, and night. You put the word in you. Like Rhonda was t giving her testimony. She's on holidays, but she's on the beach. She's listening to healing scriptures. She's putting the word in her. She has a bad report, but she's putting the word in her. She's putting the word in her. She didn't say, well, I'm going on holidays from the word. She couldn't afford that. So if we all live like that all the time, you know what? It gets in your heart. And you'll be surprised what scripture is in there. You won't even know that you know that. And someone will say something and you'll just quote a scripture and start talking about, well, the word says such and such. And then, you know, you'll get off and go, I didn't know that. That was good, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I learned that. Like one, one preacher said, I'm going to buy this tape myself, you know. <laughs> Because when you're giving out the word, you're get, God's putting it in. You're, you know, a dead sea, the dead sea, I floated in the dead sea. I, you know, you can float in the dead sea because it's so salty. Nothing grows in there, so you just float. It doesn't matter if you can swim or not. You go in and you float. 
But the reason the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea is because water comes in, but it never goes out. And we as Christians, if we don't take in and give out, we die. It's all about us. People say, well, I, I just didn't feel anything in the service this morning. Or remember when Pastor David, everybody, it was, it was a common thing in those days to say, well, I'm just not led to help in the nursery. Or I'm not led to do grounds things. And I'm not led to usher. So it comes Father's Day. And we always gave a gift. for. So it's a week before, and he says, let's go to, let's go to the store. We're going to buy some fishing leads. What for? For Father's Day. You're going to give them fishing stuff? Nope. Just come with me. Now, this is what you're going to do. You're going to make up cards for every one of them. Just feel this when you want to feel lead. <laughs> hey, quit making it so hard. Serving Jesus is not hard. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. This is easy if you do it his way. You get your mouth in line. You get your heart right. Walk in the love of God. It's easy. Amen.